Um, we're finishing kind of a mini-series that I've been doing through the summer uh, called, um, we're called Seeking to Become Like Jesus in All Things. It's, it's one of the lines from our church narrative that we as a board have been reflecting on uh, for many months now, uh, mostly on a weekly basis or three to f- out of four weeks. And we have been looking at scriptures that speak about this, this idea of becoming like Jesus in all things. And I've, I've read one uh, on numerous each of the weeks, and so I'm not doing that this week. Uh, we are doing better at getting the, sermon, the audio sermons on our website. If you miss a Sunday, we have a procedure that's a little bit more in place now. I can't guarantee they'll always all be there, but there's a lot more of them. And so you may find if you miss a Sunday, hey, you can go to the website, click, download the, the MP3 and listen to it on your phone or computer or wherever. So we've looked at various scriptures that speak about seeking to become like Jesus. And, it, and I've attempted to sort of uh, bring up the question of, okay, if we're supposed to be, then how do we do that? How do we become like Jesus? And I suggested that the way we become like Jesus is to connect with and learn from Him. And I'm adding this week uh, something I had highlighted over the last months, which is that that being with Him is supposed to be a daily interactive relationship and companionship. A daily interactive relationship and companionship. We say in the... Christian Protestant church to a great degree that one of the distinctions and differences between the Christian church and other religious expressions is that we are invited to a personal relationship with Jesus, which we are. Yet, if most of us were to turn to your neighbor near you and begin to talk about what does it look like that I have a personal relationship with Jesus, most of us would not have a lot to say. Some of us might have more than that, but the fact is is that we have been invited, and a distinction for us is that we are to be in a daily interactive relationship and companionship with Jesus, but we don't know how to do that. So I'm hoping through this series that we're going to be beginning that as the disciples were able in their way and time to walk with Jesus and be with him, that in some way that will be an opportunity for us, using our imagination, recognizing that it has to do with today, that we too might walk with Jesus. Because that's what the scriptures say, walk with Jesus. And that's what I'm looking and hoping for us to grow in. For the previous two Sundays, uh, we looked at various passages when Jesus spoke about hearing and doing what he said, about being those who hear and obey his directives. One of the passages we looked at in length last Sunday, where Jesus spoke about this, is in Matthew 28. Jesus, coming to his disciples, said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
word translated obey in this verse, I said over the last few weeks, in the Greek is tereo, and it means to observe, to watch over, to heed, to follow, or to do. The word commanded in the Greek is entelemai, and it means command, charge, instruct, or direct. These words have the sense of, of paying attention to, remembering, following, and doing. The, they're, they're like the instructions and directives and orders of a parent or boss or other official. And because we have, in my opinion, as a society, cultivated a highly individualistic and self-directed culture, we often have a problem with the words obey and command. We think, I will obey the law as long as I feel it is convenient or best for me. We see that every day on the highways. There's a law that says the speed limit on 410 is 65. Anybody know that? Used to be 60. Went up 5. Maybe it used to be 55. I don't remember. But it went up to 65. I remember when it went up to 65, I thought, hot dog! I go 65 now because I have attempted, I don't always follow it, but I have attempted to follow those traffic uh, symbols and directives for us. So we think I will obey the law as long as, as, law as, long as I feel it's convenient or best for me. We think I will listen to my teacher if I like what they say or if I agree with them. That, that's how we're taught in our society, in my opinion. And it seems to me that we can very easily do the same thing with the words of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 1, the very first verse in a chapter that we all should know, and if we don't, let's memorize it this morning. It says, do not judge. Everybody read that with me. Do not judge. All right, close your eyes and say the word, do not judge. Say it with me. Do not judge. All right, you can open your eyes. Either we don't really know what that means, which is a possibility, or to a great degree, we're ignoring it. How do I ignore it? I ignore it because to this day, though I'm working on it desperately hard, I'll look at people and I will make judgments in my mind about them. I will watch how somebody drives, I do this one every day, and I critique, not judge, right? I, I critique, I observe. No, I don't, I judge them. What in the heck are you doing? But I'm learning to take that first thought of judgment and criticism and pray. My wife's doing this much more effectively. She starts before me, then she shares what's going on in her life, and I go, that sounds like a pretty good idea. So I counter this judgment, this negative thought that is a violation of Jesus' teaching, right? That's a violation of Jesus' teaching to judge people. That's what I think it says anyway. All right. And I counter that immediate first thought with God save them, protect them, keep them safe. My, my most significant critiques are, are the people who are weaving. 
and going 10 to 15 miles an hour. Above. And they do that at 6 o'clock in the morning as well as, you know, other times in the day. All right. You know, those words, do not judge, are instructions on how one lives if they're living in the, God's kingdom. If they're living the eternal kind of life that Jesus declares as the abundant life. But if we who are in this room were honest, I think we'd have to acknowledge that we struggle to follow those instructions, that command, and that we often ignore it. Jesus' commands, His instructions and directives are not rules and laws, but in my opinion are invitations to a kind of life, a kind of life that He lived and desires us to live and experience. And He promised to be with us every day to help us. They're not rules that we obey. They are invitations to a way to live. And Jesus is right with us. And we are yoked with Him to learn from Him how to do it. And He is with us that we might learn how to live and experience this divine life that He lived. In talking with Joy last week after the service, she shared with me some thoughts that she had about, about this and what I was sharing last week and uh, that she thought might sound like would be helpful for us to... I'll get them. I'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that she thought would, might, might be helpful. I, I, I'm not as practical sometimes in my teaching, and, and my lovely family sometimes is able to help me. So she's going to interpret a little bit of what I'm saying. So he used an illustration last week, which is kind of what sparked this thought for me, of you know, there's flooding in Houston, and certain authorities are giving certain directives to people. Leave your house. Don't leave your house. You know, we've had hurricanes where they told everybody to leave, and then people die on the road, and they tell people stay in your house, and then... That turns out to be a problem. And I was even thinking about 9-11 um, and how in the second tower people were told, just stay put, everything's fine, stay where you are, nobody rushed to get out of the building. Well, that was the mistake, right? Um, anybody who tried to get out right away had a better chance than those who followed the instructions. And so this picking and choosing that he's talking about, I think that we get stuck on that because we're here on earth and our authorities are fallible. And we make mistakes, and they make mistakes, and so every man for himself figuring out, you know, what's really the right way on. And the thing about God that I was reflecting on as he was uh, sharing last week is he doesn't make those kind of mistakes. He doesn't give us a directive with the, because he has the bigger picture. He has the knowledge. And so the people who say, stay where you are, go where you are, they don't know what's happening next, but God does. And they don't know, you know, what's coming down the chain at us, but God does. And so his directives and his authority and his instruction are ones that we can rely on because he does know what's coming and he does see the bigger picture. And so we're not the one with the best idea about ourselves anymore. He really does have the right idea. And coming alongside him um, is something we can lean on. All right. Thank you. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Lean not on your own understandings. That word acknowledge is the word yada, and it means to know. 
in all your ways, in all the way you're going, in all the things you're doing, yada God. Know Him. When we do that, when we are focused and relying on Him, life goes better. It's not perfectly secure because things happen. Bad things happen to good people. Hurricanes come. But God is able, amazingly able, to bring good in all circumstances for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Now, my suspicion is, is we, we struggle to believe that. Like, don't judge. So this morning I want to look at a few more passages that, that highlight this idea of our hearing Jesus' words and doing them, but connects this with our love for Him. Before we do that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we really, really, really need you. And Jesus, we, we want a connected relationship with you. But we just generally don't know how. And are generally just so distracted and caught up in life that we forget about you. We forget that you are with us always, that you want to partner with us, that you want to help us, direct us. Would you help us? And as we look at these passages, would you please help us see them as you meant them? Would you help us to rethink our thinking about these words that we're going to look at? And would you, Holy Spirit, lead us into a passionate love affair with God and Jesus, the Father, and you, Holy Spirit? Would you help us to lay down our faulty thinking and to have our minds renewed and to put on and join this eternal kind of life that Jesus is inviting us to? In Jesus' name, amen. In answering a question about the greatest commandment, Mark records Jesus saying, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You shall love the Lord your God. In a conversation with Peter, after Peter had denied Jesus three times, three times, Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? But what does it mean to love God or to love Jesus with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our body? Or perhaps more importantly, what does it look like? 
what would it actually be like in my life on a daily basis to love God, to love Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and body? Well, firstly, in reference to His words, all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, Jesus is telling us that we're to love God and to love Jesus with our whole person, with our whole being. And it would have a manifestation as being a part of our thinking, a part of our heart, our emotions. It would be a part of our uh, soul, the, the deepness of our will and our body, our whole person. Secondly, we learn what this means from the first commandment given to Moses by God when he gave the Ten Commandments. Essentially, the first commandment is there is nothing that we are to, to love or desire or to allow to rule over us above God. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. And I think it's, it was obviously very meaningful in that culture to use the word God. But honestly, we should really translate that word something different. You shall have no other anything that is ruling your life. That you are worshiping, that you are given over to. But God, because we here have no other gods. I don't have any other gods. There's only one God, the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Spirit. That's the only God. That's the only God I'm worshiping. Really? Personally, I, I struggle with wanting things, nice things. I have a beautiful house, God's provision. Able to give it up. At some point, we'll try selling it again. Because it's not the thing. It'd be really nice to have a decent bank account for when Claire and I, at some point in time, can't work like we are now, where we have the mind and the physical body to be able to do that. At the moment, we don't. I wish I did. So, there's a lot of ways that things become highlighted above God. How do we love God with our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength? Thirdly, Jesus is using the word agape, Greek word for the word love. In that language, there were multiple words for love, and we kind of do too. But the kind of love that Jesus is speaking of here, as we've heard before, is to consider regard, respect, care for, and want the best for another person above ourself. Agape love is considerate, respectful, caring for, wanting the best for others above ourselves. And in John 15, Jesus said, No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, 
no one has greater love for God than to lay down one's life for Him. Think we could apply that here and it might be effective? What does it mean to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? No greater love than this to lay our life down for God. Wow, that might have some impact. So to agape Jesus or God would be to set aside what we think is best for ourselves. To lay down our lives for them. To lay down what we want and live according to what they think is best. Or in the words of the Apostle Paul, to die to myself and my rule over my life and to live to God with His rule over my life. Homework for this week might be to interact with God. God, what does it mean for me to love you? How can I do that? Every morning you wake up. God, this is a new day. This is a day I have an opportunity to love you. I declare to you I want to love you, but I'm not sure I really know how. Would you help me? Would you keep me alert today to be thoughtful about what you might think is best? rather than what I think is best. So with those thoughts in mind, let's turn to a few passages in the Gospel of John where Jesus connects this, these ideas about keeping His commandments and our words with loving Him. John 14, 15 through 16, If you love me, you will keep, watch over, heed, do follow my commandments, instructions, charges, directives. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Keep here is the same Greek word tereo we saw in Matthew 28. It means to observe, to watch over, to heed, to follow, to do. Commandments is the same word as in Matthew 28. And telemai that means command, charge, direct, instructions. And this time he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And, bonus points, he will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Advocate, helper, comforter, the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute, we already have the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. We have been initiated into this new kind of life. We've made a decision to believe in Jesus. We've said, Holy Spirit, fill me up. So, I don't need to keep His commandments to get the Holy Spirit. I already got the Holy Spirit. That doesn't make any sense. But that's what rules would be like. That's what laws would be like. If this were a rule or a law, and we don't keep His commandments, then He would take His Holy Spirit away. David said that once, I think.
John 14, 21. Those who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. So again, if this is about rules and regulations and laws, then if we don't follow His commandments, do His commandments, keeping them, then we won't be loved by the Father. Philosophical argument, that's what that would say. But that's not true. We're loved by God even before, while we were yet sinners, while we're still sinners, we're loved by God. God's love is never turned from us, ever, ever, and was not from the Jesus. Those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. There, there's something else Jesus is talking about here than rules and regulations, keeping commandments. He's talking about a relationship right? Now, I must admit, if I'm not nice to Clara, you know, on a regular basis, if I don't sort of manage some of my responsibilities around the house, if I stopped paying the bills, stopped going to work, you know, stopped sleeping with her and slept in another room or stayed up and played, played, was on the computer till four in the morning, uh, might be a problem there. But that's not what love's about. Love's about a relationship. It's about considering her needs above my own. It's about thinking on a regular basis, on a daily time after time, moment after moment, how can I love Clara better? How can I love her in a way that's the most meaningful, helpful, supportive, respectful? How can I lay down my life for her? How many times do we as spouses want it our way? Come on. All the time. Sometimes we have enough of Jesus in us to negotiate something with our spouse that isn't perhaps only what I want, but includes something like what they might want. Love lays down its life for the other. We have a young couple over here that are now engaged. Uh, they're going to be getting married... Sometime. Sometime in that's yeah, the future. That's right. Sometime. We did talk about this, I remember now. And when they make those wedding vows, hopefully they're already practicing aspects of those wedding vows. One of the things those wedding vows are gonna do is to include the idea of I'm gonna love you. And Jesus says, there's no greater love than this that you lay your life down, Mike, for Deborah. That you set aside 
your opinions, your desires for the way life should be, and that you would consider what life should be best for her. And with her, you get a bonus. You get a son right along with the package. And that would mean considering what's best for him too, right? And that's true for all of us. There's, I'm just rem- letting them think about it, you know. You really understand what you're getting yourself into here. It means you need to die to yourself. Scripture's clear. Jesus is clear. No greater love than this to lay down one's life. John 14, 23, 24. Those who love me, just a few verses later, will keep my word and my Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Wow! Wow! Again, if we don't follow His instructions and we don't obey and keep them, then God will not live in us. Jesus and God are going to say, sorry, Charlie, you're not cutting the mustard. You're not doing what I said. We're out of here. That's not what God is saying. Right? He's talking about a relationship. Love is about a relationship. But he is saying something about following what he says. That's important. Now here's what I might suggest. I think there are, as I've sort of highlighted already, there's, there's at least two different ways to hear these words of Jesus. And this is where the part comes in about renewing our minds, rethinking our thinking, which is the definition for repent. Repent means to rethink your thinking and, and change, make a ch- any changes accordingly that are needed. So I suspect that we've had some thinking about these passages that have been awry that Jesus would like to correct, the Holy Spirit would like to help us with. The first way to look at these verses is, if you love me, you better do as I say. Which kind of shames and rebukes us, and it sounds a little bit like an angry parent or spouse. And it focuses on the issue of obedience, rules and regulations. If I just follow the rules, or we say to our spouse, I've been doing everything I'm supposed to do. Isn't that enough? I go to work every day. I help with the dishes at least once a week. I even... Know how to wash a load of clothes if you're not around, if you're gone. Isn't that enough? No, absolutely it's not enough. So, what's the other way? The other way that I believe is a more appropriate way to understand this is, if you love me, a natural outcome is you're going to do the things I'm telling you to do. If you love me, there's going to be this byproduct. If you, are pa- if you are laying down your life for me, if you are looking to say, not my will, but your will, 
If you are seeking to love God, all that other stuff's going to come along. That's what he says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will come along. Seeking his righteousness means his righteousness. <laughs> it doesn't say seek to be righteous like he is righteous. It will, that will happen. That's not what Jesus said in that clause. Seek first the kingdom, the rule of God, the will of God in your life, the will of God in the world, and his righteousness, what he thinks is best, what he understands to be good. And that has the focus on relationship with and loving Jesus rather than rules and laws that are to be obeyed. It's about a relationship. It's about a passionate giving of one's heart and mind and body and will to God. I think... What this all boils down to is what Jesus said in Mark 12. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And when we are living a life of loving God, rather than our choices being about what we think is best for ourselves, we will make choices that honor God and reflect what we understand to be best from His perspective what is best for His purposes, His love in this world. When we're living a life of loving God, we will, like Jesus, say, not my will, but your will be done. When we're living a life of loving God, we will not only pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, out there, down there, Corpus Christi in Florida, would be good places for his kingdom to come. But we will also live inviting God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in and through us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in me. When that's in place, it's going to be through. We are going to love God and love others. When we're living a life of loving God, we will keep, watch over, heed, do, follow His commandments, His instructions, His charges, His directives. And living life this way leads us into a with God life. A life connected with and learning from Jesus in a daily, interactive relationship and companionship. And as its outcome, it will lead us into becoming like Jesus in all things. It will lead us into loving God and loving others. It will lead us into loving His lost and broken world and those people around us that we so readily judge. If you love me, 
if you love me. Do you love me? Are you loving God? Are you on a daily basis considering what it might look like to lay your life down, to die to yourself, to having the world the way you want it, and to beginning to welcome His presence that's with you every day and to see His empowering presence fill you with a desire and a passion for the world to be the way He wants it, not the way we want it. Does that make sense? Might we reflect about our thinking? Might we consider again our mode of operatum? Mode of oper... Of what? Operandi. Operandi, okay. Something like that. If Jesus lives in us, and we're to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, our life should look different than it already does. Mine should. Now, we're working, we're working together on it. I, I'm experiencing a life with God, a with God life, that's quite different than anything I've experienced in my previous decades. And uh, I'm in my next decade. We I turned 60 in May. And I have a sense that this decade's going to be different in a positive way. And I want that for you too. Let's pray. I want you to imagine yourself with Jesus. Imagination is a part of the mind, a part of our being that we're to love God with. I think he's given it to us. I think pre-fall it was a pretty significant part of the way of, of loving and relating to God in Adam and Eve and would believe that God would want to redeem that like he redeems all of the parts of our lives. So we have a, a very profound and powerful tool in the imagination. So could you picture yourself in a safe place? A place that is peaceful, where you feel protected. A place where perhaps you have experienced God in the past. The ocean shore, mountains, a lake, a place in your home, 
place from your childhood. And I'd like you just to imagine Jesus is with you if you're walking. Imagine Jesus walking with you. If you're standing still, imagine Jesus standing with you looking at what you're looking at. you're sitting down, then invite Jesus to sit down next to you. If you can, imagine looking into his face. He's looking into your face. And he is filled with love and adoration and appreciation for you. Can you see his eyes? Can you see his face? Can you see his love, his adoration for you? And can you hear him ask you, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus, thank you for loving us. Even when our love is 
missing sometimes, missing the mark. Would you help us? you be with us and teach us how to love you better? How to make you the priority of our lives? Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your empowering presence. That we're not called to love on our own, but to be filled with the very love that you have for us. And as a natural byproduct, we will love. You fill us with your love. Would you help us change our thinking and believe, really believe that you love us no matter what. No matter what we do, what we say, what we don't do, what we don't say. You love us. And you've laid down your life for us. Help us to experience your love all the days, every day. Let it be so. In Jesus' name. We've got folks that will be up here um, have found it personally helpful at times to have people pray with me and for me. It's been very beneficial throughout the last decades. Meet in the small clusters with others and receive prayer on a regular basis. And this is one of those places where we can do that. So if you need help with any of this that I'm describing or struggling, let us pray with you. It's part of the ministry of Jesus for one another. So bless you. Thanks for hanging out. And um, take, your, take your sheets home with you and read through this this week. And come next week and we'll talk about it. Bless you. Have a great week.